0: Hello, and welcome to When Will It End? It's the movie podcast.
1: Cars, 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 cars. Yes, we
0: just vroom-vroomed our way through uh, our most whimsical series to date, that of the the Cars-verse. And again, if uh, this is your first time tuning in because you're a fan of 2004 Saw, we're going to watch the whole fucking series. The whole thing. Okay? Whole fucking thing. We're gonna watch every goddamn movie in the whole series, uh, and I can say without a doubt, if there's any movie that maybe had less expectations to produce a juggernaut horror franchise, it is 2004 Saw. Uh, but we're gonna watch the whole series. We're gonna talk. I'm Josh. This is Charles. Say hi, Charles. Hi. We're gonna we're gonna say, is they good? Huh? Hmm.
1: You know, I used to push back on that, but I'm all in. Yeah. I'm on board with it. Is this good?
0: Yeah. And the the idea here is that, uh, you know, with some of these series and, and the first movie we ever covered, of course, Shrek, <sighs> you know, we, we have found that the first film in a series is often sort of a sandbox, if you will. Yeah. It's a playground of imagination.
1: We've, we found basically it's that old saying there's two type of people in the world and we have and that's usually wrong, except for the one. There is that good one that's there's two type of people in the world.
0: Jigsaw and Shrek.
1: Wow. Can you imagine if Shrek wore the little Jigsaw hat and then biked around on a little tricycle? And then ate I'm shit? certain
0: someone... I'm, <laughs> I'm sure someone at DreamWorks pitched that for like Shrek 5 or something.
1: That's going to be good. We we will... We do make that promise. It hasn't come true yet. When we start a series, we'll always add the new one in. And so far, we've picked franchises that haven't been doing anything. But... uh. It is true that we have noticed over time that the first movie in a franchise is either just like the loosest thing to set up, as you said, the sandbox. And then there's always the rare example of it's like maybe it's based on a book series or something like that, where it's like you can tell from the get go that they have this whole thing lined up. But there isn't really much else in between that. It is a pretty much like you get one or the other in a franchise.
0: Yeah, and this, in a lot of ways, is the ultimate first movie in a franchise, where the basic premise is extremely mutable, and it's honestly, it's going to be, I think, I don't want to speak for you, Charles. Thank you. How could I? No. How could I? Who am I, freaking Jigsaw? Exactly.
1: I was thinking you could, like, you know. Charles,
0: there's a slow-acting poison in your butt. I put it in there (laughs) using my penis. (laughs) You have to podcast for an hour about the virtues of two thousand four Saw. You didn't appreciate watching movies with your friend Josh, maybe now you will i I mean that's
1: something that we'll definitely be talking about is this I love this idea we did actually we also watched uh sop zero point five the two thousand and three like pitch video yeah yeah, so this idea that's run through both of those movies is like if you go under undergo extreme trauma, you will love life, but then it doesn't have a clear answer. It's just like this is the ravings of the lunatic who is. I guess his name is Jigsaw, Mister Jigsaw.
0: Well, I mean, let let's slow down for a minute. First off, you know it's he practices a radical form of honesty that I admire and I respect. Is Jigsaw problematic? Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna beat around the bush. Some of some of his methods are, you know, certainly you're not gonna find that in a in a in a in a, in a, in a hospital textbook, no. or a medical school, or the self help or section. in a psychiatrist, right? Most people are gonna say that self actualization does not require. Uh, crude surgery on a paralyzed person. Um, But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think the one survivor of, I mean, okay, let's let's be real here. It does certainly seem like the doctor does not make it. So I'm going to go ahead and say Jigsaw is basically the only survivor, the only main character survivor, and Amanda. Well, we Um, don't know. I mean, they seem like, they seem full of life and pep.
1: (laughs) We will talk I mean the ending of this movie is has always been my hang up and I'm sorry to get a little down on it but that's for such an amazing 95 minutes I'm oh every time I rewatch this movie I'm always just like the ending is Are you so kidding? That, that, weird. I
0: think the last five minutes, like my favorite five minutes of a movie ever. I can't wait to talk about it. I think it. it builds to a climax that is just, I I, I watched the whole movie for the very last moment. Yeah,
1: I mean. But game I, over.
0: <laughs> I, mean, I love that. But, That's the coolest thing okay, of all time. I'm going to
1: amend my, my mathematical equation. You got 95 minutes of awesome. And then like six minutes of just like loose, unexplained, weird. Like I want to know what happens to the doctor. I want to know. Like the ending, I think it's a problem for me with the way they have beautifully edited flashback, real time stuff happening outside of the room and what's happening in the room. It's awesome. I think it's really great storytelling and really good editing. And then when it all has to get back together and everything does meet, I feel like they needed another 10 minutes or they needed to tighten it up a lot more for me to get Zeb or Zep.
0: What was this name? It's Zepp. Zep. Get it right. Zep.
1: Yeah, I think I started typing it when I was taking notes. I kept using Zeb, and it's that thing where now once you do it wrong enough, you're never really quite sure what's the right one. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just going to call him Zeb.
0: Honestly, it sounds like a frigging jigsaw puzzle.
1: It sure is. Did I
0: say Zeb or Zeb? I sure hope you're right, or a shotgun will shoot you in your spleen. (laughs) I've put a shotgun in your spleen. A whole Um, shotgun? What are you, Whistler. You, you rushed to the end. You're so terrible at podcasting. You brought after it up all these years. You brought it up. Yeah, but then, but you then you dug into it. We have to start from the very beginning, my friend. Okay, we do. So we gotta set that. We gotta set the friggin' table here. And no, uh, I don't mean of like a meal made out of like like there's dog poop on the table. If you eat it, you can go to the rest of the podcast. Um, okay, so in in the around the turn of the century, Australians James Wan and Lee Wannell, and uh, I'm approximating the pronunciation of Lee Whannell, because being a very Anglo name, it could be Lee Whannell or something. Can you imagine going but, uh, through life as
1: Lee Whannell? Lee Whannell. <laughs> Sounds like a dumb toy a boomer would play with when they were a kid.
0: Okay, so in the early aughts, these film students, Juan and Whannell, the dubs, the big dubs, they're finishing film school. They're seeing the Blair Witch Project. They're seeing pie. And they're like, we too can make a cheap Horror movie, And what I found very interesting in my research is that this actually reminded me a lot of John Woo, where famously in Hard Boiled, and this is like my favorite John Woo story, he imagined the image of chun Fat sliding down the banister, firing two guns while birds flew around him first. That image was the first thing that occurred to him, and then literally the rest of Hard Boiled, one of my favorite movies, emerged from John Woo trying to figure out how to work something around that one aesthetic ideal. And, you know, that's a very intense way to make a movie or to tell any kind of story, to have this one set piece and then work backwards from that. I think most people don't do that. No. So in, in this movie, uh, in Saw, and, and we'll we'll get to the short film, I think, later on, but Juan basically was like, okay, Lee, get this. Two guys chained to a bathroom, dead body in the middle. They don't know why they're there. So, he, so Juan, who is a master, I think, of big picture imagery who has had a absolutely delightful and fascinating career of making huge bright unforgettable movies. I mean certainly you know, we're we're talking about uh a returning fave to the podcast. Yeah,
1: he was my uh fav- he he did 7 in the Furious verse. Yeah. And and that was far and away my favorite in the franchise. I mean part of it wasn't especially due to him, it was due to Paul Walker, but his direction style like I, lo- I remember when we watched that movie, we were really excited by the change in, in editing style and just the way the story was told. And watching Saw, it's so, like, it is so clear just from the get-go that James knows how to, like, knows how to show us a story.
0: Right, like like his visual storytelling prowess is wild. And, you know, we're talking about someone who stepped into the honestly exhausting world of superhero movies and gave us aquaman which is the most batshit one of the most batshit major productions in human history i mean that's a movie where at one point we just cut to a battle between merpeople and crabs yeah and it's like I of course well, of course we're watching the crab man fight now i mean god i don't seem to not like that
1: movie i thought it was awesome
0: i think aquaman is my favorite superhero movie of this era because unlike the marvel movies and like the dc universe's weird untethered quality where it's so disparate yeah. and there's so many different cooks in the kitchen for him to step in and make this absolutely lunatic movie where one of the main characters is named Orm and there's the octopus drumming on the tom drums and he fits in a mini horror short in the middle of it when aquaman goes into the mariana trench or whatever like Hell yeah. he just like it he has like a party in in like you know an adaptation IP zone that normally, I think in Marvel, everyone's like, oh, wow, Doctor Strange, that was kind of wild. But you know, visually speaking, Aquaman is just psychotic. And the fact that all of this emerges from Saw is just delightful. So big James Wan fan up in it.
1: When you mentioned Doctor Strange, I was like, I think, and maybe it's because when I saw it in 3D in theaters, it is maybe a step down to watch it in 2D at your house. But to me, that was like watching doctor strange was a it was a letdown like my memory of it was so much better than experiencing it again and i think james wan is the opposite where like i always know what saw looks like and then i watch saw again and it's like this is so looks so much better than a one million dollar indie film from the early 2000s should look
0: Well, you just hit on the major story of this movie, which is how it was produced, because this movie cost just over a million dollars and brought home over one hundred million dollars. It's one of the most insane accomplishments in independent filmmaking um, and and every single piece of. Evidence behind the making of Saw. I think if there ever was an, a, a reason for my kind of obsessive research and the IMDb trivia section, it was basically for the film Saw because wow. all of it is astonishing. This is where it
1: all started. Danny
0: Glover is on set for two days. Wow. The entire filming of the movie, 18 days. They had five days of pre-production. Wow. All of the bathroom scenes were shot in less than a week. There were no rehearsals. The James Wan built the Jigsaw doll for the film. So, yeah, when I watched the he, he assigned camera movements to both Gordon and Adam, like the- it's just this is what like this is the joy of filmmaking is saw
1: when i wa- especially watching the short film, which I know is so the the short film isn't really it's like a promo thing that they made. What was the order of it? you did some research on this? did they make saw 0.5 first?
0: so saw the two thousand and three short film was them just trying to basically you know i think again you go back to like these visual ideas yeah they're like okay we, we want to like they, they liked the the premise of the reverse bear trap they were like okay we thought of something really unforgettable so they spent around five thousand dollars to make this short movie which of course uh lee wannell is in both the short film as david and the main film as adam <coughs> excuse me a what, cough the, what
1: is that a cough just a cough
0: it was a weird call. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be real. with okay. you. I wasn't expecting. I was cough a little
1: freaked out. I mean, maybe it's just because we watched yeah. Saw recently, but like, I'm curious what's going on. Oh, I watched Saw on here.
0: edibles at midnight. I was I wow. saw is like a saw is like a walk in the park. It's my I love it. But basically, yeah, they wanted to... I think that what they were trying to do was show off both aspects of the team, of Juan and Whannell, Yeah. where Whannell was like, I've written this idea, and and James Wan was like, I have a very specific visual image of how this will be told. And the iconic strobe light, like like it looks like a Nine Inch Nails video, you know, just the rever- all the reverse bear trap I mean, shots, was. be it Amanda or David. Yeah, basically. It was.
1: I mean, they used, they used Nine Inch Nails in that short film. I think uh, it's amazing that you see, regardless of exactly why it came together the fucking everything looks really good for a short film where they like you could tell the person that made the jigsaw doll like that is not just like a shitty little prop that they were like Oh, i want to make this movie but i don't really care that much like just that fucking doll alone must have taken so much time and the fucking reverse bear trap looks real looks menacing and it's crazy that that sort of detail is in just like a short film that some buddies made the two dubs. Yeah. Can you imagine being two dubs
0: and just like you must have so much confidence
1: already starting out with two big dubs in your team.
0: I mean it's true. You, you come to the table with two dubs at your back, that's that's huge. Um so there there's no visual effects in that short, which is kind of crazy. Right. But they just like it's all camera work, which is also really cool. Um yeah, so I mean like what we're trying to say is like th- these these two people invested everything. Into this microscopic budget movie that was filmed. I mean, famously the car chase scene or yeah. just two cars in like garages <laughs> run by fog with a shaking camera. Wee, wee. And honestly, it, it has like that that Edgar Wright kind of ener- like manic fun energy to it. Like it, this is ostensibly a thriller horror movie, but like it's it's just like it's breathless, it's genre worship, it's you know a closed box mystery. Like it, it really just I think the sheer love of filmmaking is like so rarely on display as vividly as this. And when the stakes are like so low, the fact that they managed to shoot so high with these incredibly high concept design elements and knock it at the park. I mean, it feels like, honestly, the spiritual successor to Cube to to draw Mm -hmm. in other franchises to this where almost the exact same story. Yeah. You know, it's it's, you know, a single set. It's a, a very ambiguous mystery It's, you know, shot on the fucking with the the fucking wing and a prayer. I don't know. I fucking love Saw. It is such a pleasure. It is.
1: I mean, just comparing it to the last six weeks where we've found we've been sort of desperately trying to not talk about the media we just consumed. It is just really nice to have an episode. We're only 15 minutes in and all we've talked about is Saw. Oh, my God. Except for that one time you talked about my butt.
0: Well, it, you know, yeah. it's on the table, so to speak. Um, yeah, the fact that this is so much less nightmarish than Cars, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, that's so. I, I invited Amy to join me because I didn't want her to watch Cars. I didn't think it would be fun. And now that we're doing something good, I was like, oh, you should watch these. And she was like, eh, I don't know that I really want to put myself through it. It sounds really awful. And again, another thing I sort of always forget is actually how little violence is in this movie this is like a two-man play like murder mystery like it's basically like escape if you film and escape the room it's it's just like there's no real on there's no violence really in this movie that's that bad
0: um, there's some pretty violent stuff in it. I think the but guy not, uh, which crawling through the razor yeah. wire or like, Zach even... getting puddled into a pile of mush with the fucking toilet seat or the saw cutting off Carrie Elway's foot. I mean, there's some...
1: Right, but none of it's on screen. So you see the leftovers. I think the one, like the Madame Tussauds dummy of the guy who's completely cut himself open is the most, I think, violent thing you ever see in the movie. But everything else, like the cutting off of the foot the bashing of the head, everything is off screen and the cutting of the belly, like none of it is actually visualized. So, I mean, I think like this should be like,
0: yeah.
1: I think Amy would have actually really liked this movie because it, the squeamishness is all stuff you have to force yourself to imagine. It's not actually shown to you.
0: Well, it's also funny because, you know, famously the, the mid-aughts American horror scene kind of catching up to the French and Korean horror scenes started right. really getting into really gruesome torture, like torture porn was the the uh, the name applied to that movement, and it's funny that the Im- the cultural impact of Saw, because like Hostel comes out the next year, and Hostel is a stupid movie made by a jack off that is, I would argue, basically just torture porn. And the Saw movies, I think, would be will become over time increasingly fixated on that element, that very bankable element of very explicit on screen torture. Um, I saw Saw 2 in theaters. We'll save this for the next episode, obviously. But like, yeah, this movie is is way more about a psychological experience of, you know, these two men are are clinging on to whatever shreds of information that they have. They're trying to outwit each other. They're trying to outwit their torturer. They're trying to solve the puzzle. Like, it's really a lot more about the psychological aspect and, and you know, then it's a game in, in two. We'll be watching people die, like dive headfirst into like a pit of dirty needles and stuff. <laughs> That's what Amy asked. Great.
1: Amy was like, wait, did the rest of them then get all? Cause I've, I've, she's has this idea that the Saw series is incredibly gross and I haven't seen anything other than the first one. So I can only imagine where this goes, especially as you said, like the French and the Japanese and the Korean cinema were, were all doing wake, fucking crazier shit and it's funny to see like saw as this it's not quite at the like level of the new french extremity but you can see how easily it just is going to get pushed there
0: yeah and interestingly uh hostel cost like five times as much to make and made 82 million dollars so yeah it, it had you know even a movie that by hollywood standards tried to sort of cop some of the style of saw uh, did not bank as much as saw. I, that, had, I mean that that multiplier is absolutely it's,
1: fucking crazy. And I read that uh, the two big dubs, rather than choosing like a payout, they fucking they took, went percentage, they went baby, percentage, and that's the fucking yeah. move.
0: Yeah, and, Fuck. and that's really cool that like they had such faith in this microscopic movie that they went all in. I don't know. I I I think like when you talk about the spirit of filmmaking, like for a movie that I think people remember for you know, parodies of the saw doll doing and saying wacky shit mm-hmm. yeah, like this. The, the first movie really like you, I think in, in, of this entire podcast experience of watching series, duh, this, this becomes like a 10 series like a movie arc or something. I mean, it just, it's just such a playground.
1: Right. And then, yeah, that's what we opened the show with that. It is like, there's, this is the brilliance is that you even end this movie and again, I'm going to jump to the end, and you're probably going to hate that I'm doing it. But like, I like that we don't know whether Adam survives. Like, I'm all on board for like if the second one picked up immediately, like it cuts, like and you're still in the dark, and he's screaming, or it could jump to a new set of characters doing new shit. It doesn't really matter. I think it creates a world that, like, it's it's just going to work as long as the people making it are invested, as these two big dubs were.
0: Well, spoiler, that's not what happens, and Donnie Wahlberg's into. Oh, shit. The great Donnie Wahlberg.
1: This is going to be great. The cast in this movie is pretty incredible. And I think... I have I remember we did... We actually did a Saw episode for The Real Deal. We paired it with uh, Green Room. And I, I...
0: I think there was a thing. Didn't Danny Glover do this as like a favor? Yeah.
1: So that's what it... Like, he's honestly giving it a lot more than you would expect for someone just doing a two-day favor. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, can you imagine in two days having to be like the calm cop who turns into the mildly obsessed cop who then turns into the batshit shit obsessed cop at the end and like doing that whole range in two days he's pretty everyone's pretty awesome in terms of being like acting in this movie i think if you had any of these actors acting against other people in different movies it would seem weird but since everyone's all doing the same thing acting wise it all actually sort of works out
0: yeah, I mean, like, I, I will say this very lovingly. I love Carrie Elways. Yeah. He is, he's in, again, like, between The Princess Bride and Saw, he really has managed to be in at least two hugely popular cult movies. Um, he is doing more of a Vincent Price in this. Like, he's going big. And it's very funny that a guy who's, I think, used to the full Hollywood flourish is maybe a few notches higher than a million-dollar microscopic budget single-set performance normally would go. Yeah. And I think it'd be easy. Like, it's it's kind of like Shatnery almost where it's like it's it's he's, uh, he's really eating the whole sandwich. He's definitely swinging at every pitch. But he's and doing it awesome. I really liked him awesome. this time around. Yeah.
1: Like, this is – I think I've seen this movie like four times, and this is absolutely my favorite of watching him do it. Yeah, I mean, I think I've sometimes I've been like, oh, it's a little like shitty and sort of, I can sort of see what he's doing, but this time I was like totally on board with his slightly hammy performances, and I don't know. The interactions with his wife were were really good. I love the scene where he's like on his laptop just like typing away, and then as soon as she's like, "Well, fuck you," he's like. No, I am now finished, and I will treat my daughter with love and respect. It's, like, actually really brilliant, subtle, like, relationship shit that they managed to put in there.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because, they, they like, it'd be so easy if he was just a pure asshole. But right. it sort of seems like he actually – like. and again, obviously, I think if they had more than, like, 35 minutes to make the movie, like, maybe some of this would have been fleshed out some more. But yep. again, as, like, a – you know, first off, for this is just out of the tight 90 range it's like 103. Yeah,
1: that's another thing. I always imagine this as an 80 minute movie. Like I don't I always forget that this is actually in the 100 minutes, over 100 minute range.
0: Well, th- this is this is I think what speaks to Juan as a director that this movie moves. And I think a classic thing, especially with like a a weird passion project, is that like it'd be so easy to get caught up in the weeds or something. Mm -hmm. And I think he really finds a way to make – and again, there's like this movie. Every single threadbare aspect of it somehow works to its advantage. Like all of the really funny shots with the fake Danny Glover just make for like an even weirder like middle passage of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, all the weird, like, the scenes where Tap is, like, w- weirdly out of focus or just the back of his head mumbling stuff. Uh, like, I love that stuff. Me too. And it's really funny to think that, like, they they only had Danny Glover for two days. So to fill in some of the story, they had to get some other guy just to, like like, literally Ed Wood shit, you know? But it works.
1: I mean, when I was a kid, we used to make a lot of home movies and... We would run into that same th- It's like it is funny to see that level of like fill in the blank filmmaking because of necessity. That like, oh, my brother doesn't want to jump out the window, so I'm going to get in the same costume and hide my face and jump out the window and be his stunt double for that scene. And like, oh shit, we like someone left already. We have to do this. Yeah, it's like it's that weird one million dollar budget that turned into a multi
0: billion dollar. How much is this movie? franchise 1.2 million dollars the full franchise. well you're asking how much like the just like, maybe? yeah
1: like a 1.2 million dollars start to have now like just created this empire of cash flow out of this one idea it's like funny to see these like such pre-film school like this isn't even like film school level filmmaking at some points this is like shit you do when you're 12 with your friends with a camcorder
0: and it works delightfully and i, I didn't really know this until today the Surveillance camera footage, which is some of the best, like some of the best editing in the movie, are these shots. Because again, for a movie that on its face is this cheap horror movie with some delightfully hammy acting and some schlocky effects, like I believe when he beats Zepp to death with the toilet seat at the end, the toilet thing, he's hitting like a garbage bag full of fake blood (laughs) to get the spray effect, which is really funny. It works. Um, But like that surveillance cam footage they shot after the movie to fill in more gaps. So I'm Hmm. not even sure if that's. They basically just had footage of them in the room and and digitized it in that weird effect. And I love those shots. I I, I Instagram posted a shot, like, you know, because it's a movie where Juan has such a vivid idea about. Viewpoints. And this movie is all about pe- people being watched, being watched, mm. being watched, being watched. Yeah. And and there's, you know, the peepholes, the surveillance cameras, the different points of view from the different characters. It is like an incredibly artfully told story. And the fact that, again, to fill in gaps in a micro budget film, they, they add in yet another bizarre viewpoint on the action. That's it, incredibly creative and works seamlessly in the final product.
1: Yeah. And also, you know, in the same way that, I mean, when you to call the movie saw and you think it's just all about saw blades and then when you get done you're like oh this is about the past tense of watching
0: okay so i had that same revelation watching the original short did you realize that at that point as well
1: i mean i've realized that the whole like back the first time i i watched this movie
0: well okay um i didn't because famously there are saws in exactly saw. that's but watching brilliant. the the short film there are no saws in it <laughs> And it's just about when it cuts that hysterical digital effect, oh my of God. The, of the, which is very like, it cuts to like a basically like a Resident Evil 2 looking like <laughs> bathroom scene and an eye looking through a people that, that, that's that's when I realized that's what they were trying to get at. I didn't realize that until last night. Oh,
1: cool. That's awesome. Um, I I sort of have picked up on it, especially by adding him as a photographer character. They mentioned voyeurism a lot. Like a lot of this movie does have to do with not just being watched by the jigsaw menace but also just like how we pass through life only watching and the whole idea is like that if you go through like having to murder someone and rip through their guts to find a key or you know you're a pathetic sad loser that wants to kill yourself well how about you actually be confronted with killing yourself by having to run through razor blades it's like you can sit back and be passive in your life or you can be an active participant and not just watch the world go by and it is weird because like i don't think that you know rip killing a man and ripping through his guts to not have your face explode would make you more appreciative of life and i don't think the filmmakers do either no
0: it cures her of drug addiction (laughs) get it right
1: well no i mean that's so i was talking about the short film where that's what his he was just like you know i'm just a janitor basically and whatever i'll kill myself by smoking i don't care yeah. The other one's is like, he saved me. He saved me. And it's like, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think that they actually like James and, and Lee sort of think that this is w- what Jigsaw is doing is good?
0: No, I think they thought of a fucked up serial killer guy. <laughs> it's cool. Well,
1: no, I know, but it's like, obviously it's fucked up.
0: The but like, point is that it's scarier that he has like a weird mission. It yeah. adds a complexity to him that he's got like this objective. And certainly for a man dying of a brain tumor in the first movie, he does make it through a lot of saws. So <laughs> I clearly know. It, it is a driving force. Um, do you
1: think that the, like, just to have the woman, because the, at the end of the short film, the last question is the cop being like, well, do you feel like you're like we appreciate life more and he's just like sitting there crying in a ball and it's very obvious that he's not and i just sort of like that there's always this ambiguity about whether jigsaw's work is working because a technically the woman is no longer using drugs but b she is seriously fucked up now And it's it is like and that
0: actress by the way shot all of that in one day, so she did the reverse bear trap and questioning in a single day, obviously overlapping with Danny Glover. Which is trying to imagine (laughs) how they got all this done is so fucking yeah.
1: The scheduling calendar must have been really uh, hard to
0: put together. So, so this closed the 2004 Toronto Film Festival. This was the final screening. It was like a midnight screening. Amazing. And I have to imagine that was quite an, added, like an atmosphere to be in, to have this be a, a, the, the final movie of like a long weekend to watch this million-dollar gore fest. And by the way, this, uh, uh, Old Boy, also that weekend. Old Boy was uh, at Toronto Film Festival movie as well. And it's like
1: again to bring it back to the violence, how like actually tame this movie is, like if you compare that to Old Boy where you literally see like teeth getting fucking hammered out and you see a man cut his tongue out, like this movie isn't particularly violent. It's it's okay if you're a squeamish person of avoiding the Saw series Saw one is totally okay.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say the major trigger warnings kick in very quickly in Saw 2, but for right out the gate, uh, Saw is actually not the the nightmare that uh some people think it is. Um yeah, I mean I think about the from the tongue snipping to the octopus. I mean, old boy laps this yeah. a few times. <laughs> and then like
1: Martyrs, which came out before this, where like a, a person is like skinned alive. Yeah. yeah, it's like this is and I like that. I like that. This isn't because there is I mean, I'm I really like maybe like isn't the right word, but like violence when it's used very explicitly can shake something in you and make you think about things. And I sort of like that as a horror movie, this isn't going for the like gore making you grossed out and having to confront like the way that people are violent towards each other in that way. It's it is so much more a psychological game of these two men trapped together in a room trying to find the ways that they can trust each other and work together. But also knowing that one of the main missions for Carrie is to like, it's out of the gate. Like Adam knows that Lawrence is trying to kill him and they are a both. They're both trying to get out, but they also know down deep that they're both trying to fuck with each other. So they both one of them survives.
0: Well, I mean just having all these different points of contention, having all these pieces in play, being able to navigate all of that. The fact that this is as successful as it is, is, nothing short of miraculous and and honestly brilliant i'm i'm a real cheerleader for saw um and also you know bringing up martyrs martyrs is in a lot of ways a similar idea about confinement and torture and and some sort of mission-based uh yeah to torture there's yeah, really no other forced word for it.
1: self-destruction for some maybe greater uh Escape and revelation, or whatever. Right,
0: and it's funny that like the the French version of that is this like I- elaborate existential reflection on s- historical misery and the role of of the woman sufferer martyr type, and like it, it's this very heady examination. And this is so delightfully earthy. Where, so the inspiration for an aspect of this was that the screenwriter Winnell, who you know again plays Adam and David in the short film, like ha- like he uh, thought he had a brain tumor. So he like went to the neurologist to get an MRI, and while he was sitting there, he was like, "What if you knew you're gonna die? How would you react to that? If you suddenly got the news you're gonna die very soon?" So just being like a weird anxious guy, which I think we can all relate to, that's where he, th- he thought of Jigsaw, being like, "Okay, you know, what if this guy is dying? How would like what how what would he do with that time? And and how would this guy, this sociopathic monster, express that very brutal lesson onto other people?"
1: Yeah, and uh, ugh. did I tell you about? Ooh. When I told I might have a brain tumor,
0: you were always sort of hiding medical maladies from. This is a
1: long time ago. This was a. This is when I was suffering hearing loss, and I was it was like feeling weird in my ear, and I couldn't hear very well. And I went to the ENT doctor, and they said, "Well, you're pretty young, so it's probably not like you know age based hearing loss. So it could be a brain tumor." Or it could be something else. And I was just like, wait, what? It could be a brain tumor? So I got uh, a thingy to get checked, and I, I didn't have one. I do not have the tumor in the head.
0: That's a good story.
1: Yeah, thanks. I'm, I mean, I had to bring one in. I have a quota now.
0: Did that? Did you, I mean, did you take anything from that experience, or you just wanted to tell that incredibly boring story?
1: No, I didn't take anything away. No, okay, I, good. I mean, good stuff. There was, a, good. there was a brief moment where I felt maybe like Lee did, but I didn't use it for anything. Mm. Like, I didn't didn't make me f- compelled to create art or anything. Mm. I just booked an appointment and they looked in my brain and they told me I didn't have a, a brain tumor. Okay. But you know what it was? I did learn that it was a jaw related problem where because my jaw is misaligned, it actually causes like impaction where it...
0: sometimes producing this show with you is, I do feel a bit like a Dr. Gordon Lawrence, like I'm chained to something and I, I have to go through ag- agony to extricate myself from that experience. yeah. But instead of sawing off my foot, it's talking to you for around an hour. Um, The climactic moment where he saws his goddamn foot off, (laughs) I love it. I I truly, I, I, I hear what you're saying in that by the end of the movie, there's a lot going on. And I agree with you. If I think, if what I wanted from the end of the movie was a very heady, perfect, you know, threading the needle of all of the plot devices, that would be one thing. I think knowing the limitations on the production and understanding the atmosphere they were trying to evoke with the film, the way they build to a breathless finale is very artfully done, I would argue. Mm. That's my my two cents. Experientially, perhaps not, yeah, perhaps the depth of narrative suffers or like not every logical hole is is filled in. And I can live with that because I genuinely think that build up to those last few moments. Because as a kid, you know, my dad read me Edgar Allan Poe short stories to scare the shit out of me. Yeah, um, but it really
1: just bored and, you. Or no, did it scare no. you? Oh, no, oh no. Are I've, you always, me? I've always been bored Do by that. Do you not Poe. like Edgar Allan Poe? Nah. Oh. Not for me.
0: Oh, crazy. Well, then... uh I don't know what to say to you, but the cask of Amontillado always really terrified me as a kid. This idea of like being, you know, bricked up behind a wall in a basement, forgotten and alone to rot in solitude and starvation. And yeah, like, that like that idea was really horrifying. So the fact that, that, that this ends on that note of Adam chained to a pipe, you know, in a room with a corpse that he's bludgeoned to a bloody pulp to just die alone in darkness. Oh, my God. Like I that to me is what that's the that is the bone chilling shit
1: you know i and i wonder and obviously i'm not gonna i really like this movie i think they did a great job and they did what they wanted to do and this is now just me speaking about the movie i would maybe want more is cut out zeb just get rid of him
0: i don't know i think there needs to be there needs to be a red herring of sort and i like how how ballsy it is to be like oh they're really showing us this guy a lot like like i they i, I like that i think the performance is great I don't know. I got no problems with that.
1: No, so I I think you're right. I think I like the, and maybe it is just from having watched it a few times now where I know that he's not Jigsaw. But you also sort of know that because anytime you actually, like when you see the awesome scene where the two cops confront real Jigsaw with the guy getting his, almost getting his brain drilled out. Like the fact that his face is shrouded there and every time you actually see Jigsaw, you don't get to see his face and they're just like constantly showing us zeb after the halfway point you sort of just like know that he's not jigsaw so it's like very clearly a red herring i think it could have been done better but
0: that's part of the fun i I like that i I think it's a fun game where they're like we're gonna dangle this right here and i don't i think if you're a fan of the genre i don't know i i i didn't find that uh I I can say genuinely every time Jigsaw stands up off the ground out of focus behind Adam, I'm like jumping out of my seat, popcorn flying, full cheering. It is such a delightful. And again, like it's great for some people, you know, it doesn't work. And I've talked to people who think that's the thing that they get hung up on. And one, according to IMDb trivia, which is my Bible, it is, you know, there are many IMDb trivias, but this was mine. Okay. And uh, he Tobin Bell actually lay on the floor for all of that. Like, that's not a double. That's actually Tobin Bell lying on the floor. That's great. For like six days, he just lay on the floor face down, which is like my
1: brother was in a play. And now in like I guess maybe he wasn't good as an actor, but they just felt bad for him or something. I don't know. But they let him be the dead body in a murder mystery. And that's all he did. He just lay under the bed and you just saw his feet sticking out.
0: That's amazing. That's yeah. hard acting. That you is know what I mean? that is acting yeah. doing
1: homework under the bed
0: like reading a book while
1: the other people perform.
0: I guess this is a good time to talk about sort of why we're doing the Saw franchise this year. Well, can I just finish
1: one thing about Zeb? I guess so. Thanks. Um, Because my main... It isn't that I think that the red herring part of it is the problem. What is the problem is for me when all of the stories come together at the end. His is the one that, to me, either needs more time or less time to be effective. I just don't... I watching it this time. It was just like a lot going on, especially at the house with the wife and kid. Like for me, I'm imagining in my own brain a story where it's the story about the cops trying to find Jigsaw, and the story about the two men locked in the basement. And I don't know that I needed as much time with Zeb torturing and like just like being with the family. I mean, but that's a that's yeah. That's just where I felt the most slowed down.
0: Taste is taste. I think that we need to feel the stakes very vividly. So I, I, for me, that works, and I get why they did it. And I always like the idea that that's only the second-level bad guy. Like, the first-level bad guy is even crazy. And I, I'm a fan it's of It's insane kind
1: of thing. that like a man who is forced to... Like Zeb, we learn at the very end, is not a bad guy. He's also in the same boat where he's been poisoned and is just doing this to survive. But there's a scene with the stethoscope... And like the factory's like getting off on making this little girl freak out is awesome. Like I really like that moment. And it's weird that it's a part of Zeb's character. And if you think about it too long, you're like, oh, maybe this is just filmmaking where you're supposed to think he's the real main bad guy and then he's not. And then it just sits sort of complicated and loose. But that shot, that fucking scene is really good. And I'm glad that it's in the movie.
0: Yeah. Ugh, Saw's a feast. I love watching it. So we're talking about Saw because... You know, and this has been one of my most. Uh, I generally irritate everybody that I know, mm. and um, I've been like, "Guess who's rebooting the Saw franchise? Guess who's doing it? Guess, guess." And they're like, "Well, who?" Because no one a like, shit except no, me and guess. you. Know, I'm like, "I demand no an guess. answer." <laughs> Chris Rock is the executive producer and one of the stars of the delayed Saw the ninth Saw movie that's coming out uh, in May of this year, which was uh, delayed a year due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Remember that? Wow. Um, So we were going to do Saw last year, but now we're diving into Saw because of all people, Chris Rock, who apparently has been a hardcore fan since Saw, the the ultimate Saw movie, um, he, uh, and I'm quoting here, I am excited by the opportunity to take this to a really intense and twisted new place.
1: Hmm. He is awesome. I really... His acting style, I think, is gonna be fucking perfect for this movie. I'm very excited. I, having not seen any of the other Saw movies, I don't really know what's gonna happen in the middle. But if we get to go, Josh, can you imagine us going to the movie theater together in May to see Saw?
0: I'm not going to the movie theater in May, even if you're vaccinated. No, no, I'm not packing into a room with anybody for some time.
1: Even well, I'll do
0: outdoor events, but you know, I, I let's just bootleg it. I mean, let's legally purchase it and then just watch it at your house.
1: Okay. Well, I was—I don't know. Like, yeah, I haven't gone inside anywhere either. But I was thinking, if you're vaccinated, they're keeping the social distancing up. Like, if you sit still, like ten feet away from people.
0: I think sitting in a enclosed space for hours is not something that I'm going to want to do for a while.
1: For a while, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. I don't foresee that happening anytime soon. Okay. Well, I'm talking about. I, I want to go to like a Mets game, maybe, because I'll be outside. Yeah. I think sitting in a in a room with no with little ventilation. Also, it's a song movie. People are going to be gasping, you know? Right. I feel like I, if I go into a movie theater and one person has bad mass conduct, I'm not going to enjoy being in the movie theater. Yeah. So I, I, why even roll the dice, okay. so to speak? Well. I don't want to play a game this spring, but perhaps in the fall well, or something. This, so
1: this is where we might have some problems then because I don't know if they are going to release it streaming in may so we'll find out
0: they definitely will what are you talking about
1: they're changing everything warner brothers i know this isn't a warner brothers movie but they like they're sticking to their simultaneous releasing this year but it's going back to the way it was starting in 2022 and i'm not sure what line this is lions still who's doing this
0: shit spiral it's called spiral who's, the new who's releasing the, spiral. From the book of saw that is such a great fucking great. Franchise suffix oh my god from the book of saw so good and like is there a book of Lionsgate. saw <laughs> By the I've, way, uh, apparent, apparently, Spiral is a tight 93, which is, uh, mm, mm, I'm delighted by that. Um, anyway, good.
1: so we'll see. Maybe we'll have to, you know, play around with releasing our episode um, about how it's going to release this. You know, we're entering new territory again. We had so many cool plans last year and they all got fucked and, you know, we're, we're diving back It's in.
0: like a Jigsaw game where Absolutely. you think you're done. Yeah. You think it's just an issue of getting the reverse bear trap off your head, but now there's a time element. Yes. And by the way, talk about James Wan being brilliant. The pin flying out of the timer in in both both the short film and the main film is just – he manages from the audio production is fantastic and the visual element. But when that thing goes flying out of the countdown ticky guy, it is just exhilarating. And you're like, there's also another element I didn't tell you about.
1: (laughs) Right. And for a man um, that hates the ticking clock when it's bad – I know you also love A Ticking Clock when it's good.
0: Well, I mean, the fact that, you know, Juan talks a lot about in the production of Saw really going out of his way where he's like, he wanted, you know, Adam's viewpoint to be shakier. He wanted the doctor's viewpoint to be steadier. He really goes out of his way to, like, make the camera motions reflect the emotional experiences of the characters, and... He goes for broke with the reverse bear trap. you know, camera flying in circles, oh lights flashing, person flailing, weird, streamy trail effects. And I mean, like it and it works like I think in, in other a lesser director, that would be very obviously someone trying to paper over the the shortcomings of the budget. And to him, it just seems perfect. It just seems like. It's, it's just great.
1: We even noticed, I mean, I remember in Seven, the like cinematography for the fight scenes was similar where it's like the camera moved with the action rather than just s- stilly watching action. He's always loved this like kinetic style of filmmaking and it really works.
0: Well, it's funny to think about this coming out at the same time as Old Boy, which is, uh, by the way, Old Boy, a $3 million budget, not an expensive movie. It looks gorgeous. It is very stately. It, the most famous camera work in Old Boy is the steady cam back and forth hammer fight. Like basically the opposite of Saw. Like in Old Boy, we see violence play out very bluntly. Yeah. And in Saw, we see it very emotionally. Yeah. So for, I guess it's, in an, I'm not trying to overly compare the two, but certainly for a 2004. Uh, psychological horror juggernauts it's very interesting these two small budget indie horror movies really approach that idea very differently from like a still camera watching that guy eat the fucking octopus to like you know we, we see the the saw blade dig into his ankle then cut to carry always his fucking <sighs> dust and blood-covered face god at the end when he just looks like a total ghoul with the dust <laughs> so and the blood. good
1: <laughs> though oh i do have to say so for fun. a surgeon and maybe I'm wrong because I'm not a surgeon, but if I were in that situation, I would have cut off from like the edge of my heel, just like the my foot, you know? I wouldn't have cut off like above the lock. I would have gone below the lock and maybe just enough of my foot so I could slip it off.
0: You're really nitpicking the poor uh, shackled surgeon guy. Well, I'm huh? just
1: I mean, there's a big bone fucking
0: there's a shin bone there's your so you think it would have been easier to just sort of shave off your heel you're like that's that's the pro move
1: yeah or just yeah just like shave off the heel maybe just enough to get it over it or cut off like from the top of your foot down to your toes
0: Mm. so skin flay the top of your foot
1: well just chop off like if it's your hand just like chop off the finger so you can just get your foot out
0: uh-huh. So just like less
1: less mutilation, less bone fucking. Like I think there's I think there was a better way. Mm. But you know, he I have never been trapped in a room for hours with uh Adam. Yeah, yeah. And maybe that just really makes decision making hard.
0: And as it happens, freaking jigsaw right there. Fuck. Um so did you I feel like the opening of this movie is 100% a photocopy of Dark City.
1: I haven't seen Dark City since... Really? No, no, I haven't seen it since I got it on DVD in, like, 1999 or whenever it came out. Okay,
0: well, Rufus Sewell wakes up in a bathtub, and it's very similar to Saw. I will say, um, my nitpicking on Saw is that they introduce the Jigsaw skin thing, and then basically it never comes up again?
1: The, the like... The little... That he
0: carved a jigsaw yeah. out of the the fat guy, and then like the next guy's like burned. Like, well, he, he didn't know, do it dude. there. The guy's a freaking crispy marshmallow man.
1: Yeah, maybe he did it though, and he, yeah,
0: that's that that you fuck... wouldn't. It wouldn't hold the. It wouldn't stay. It would just be char. It would just be like charcoal. It wouldn't. Well, maybe even...
1: he could etched it into a bone.
0: Yeah, that's so much work.
1: I mean, more work than digging a little bit of jigsaw out of a flesh.
0: Can we talk I mean, about? Maybe, you're right,
1: maybe he's got a maybe he's got a little stamp.
0: Jigsaw, seemingly, you know, there's look at this point. And and if you look at the Saw franchise page, the plot outline of the Saw franchise is roughly word count wise longer than the Bible at this point.
1: <laughs> Both Testaments?
0: Both Testaments. Wow. Um, we we know almost nothing about Jigsaw. And I've only seen the first two movies. So oh, clearly I have an unbelievable amount to learn about. Uh, I think so far we know his name is John because mm-hmm. early in the movie when uh, – when, uh, Dr. Kerry Elway's is showing his medical students uh, that vegetable. He's like, "And this piece of shit's fucking unconscious. <laughs> what an asshole!" And Zep's like, "Actually, that guy's wicked cool. His name is his John. His name is John. Yeah. Anyways, so I don't know who's bankrolling Jigsaw, but one, so yeah. he's got great real estate because his headquarters oh, so is so good, lushly apportioned. It's full of shit.
1: You know. And uh, to speaking of things, I'm not nitpicking on this is I loved how uh glover discovers where jigsaw's hideout is it actually like his obsession pays off his attention to detail pays off and it is something that i could understand happening in real life and it was great that scene i always am so you know cops suck i hate cops but i am really like it is a true moment of victory where you they're actually surprised the bad
0: guy yeah, and again, while you've cleverly chosen to not actually explain what you're talking about, um, David Tapp, and by the way, Detective Tapp, that's a great name. So Detective Tapp is like obsessively reviewing the, the footage uh, from s- some of the many horrible Saw encounters and and catches a piece of graffiti that he manages to remember where in the city the graffiti is located because this one gang only operates in a four-block radius, yes! and what's that, a fire alarm in the background? What? It's amazing. And, and by the way— I'm going to bust right into this because we're getting towards the end of the app. Um, I am very happy to give my MVP to detective Steven Singh played by Ken lung.
1: Yeah, he rules. He's uh, he's a, so there's a lost connection too. Cause both Zeb and, and him are actors in this, in the series lost. Okay. And I guess I bring it up because while I was watching lost for some reason back when it was on TV, I very quickly got sick of the actor who plays Zeb. But I always really liked the actor who plays the detective in this one, and he's—I don't know what it is about him. I love his body language. He always seems like he seems
0: extremely engaged. Yeah, and like the the, I, the fact that again, no one th- this, this this was not a payday. I I, I famously Carrie Elway sued the producers of Saw, saying that he was owed he was promised one percent of the of the profits from Saw that he never got theoretically. Oh my so god! I, so that. There's a whole subplot there, but I'm sure most of these people made, you know, a a pretty low wage for this and his commitment to this. And Danny Glover, I would say, is surprisingly committed. (laughs) Yeah. But like, you know, you, you can tell there's a little bit of autopilot going on because like he is by far the most outsized casting in the film. Um, but Ken Lung, uh, and I'm, I'm probably butchering his last name. Is it Leung Lung? Probably Lung. Lung. He is so into this, and you're like really rooting for Detective Singh. Like, he, he's like, you know, it's a pity that he gets, you know, uh, turned into human fucking sawdust by four shotguns blowing his body straight Amazing. down to the earth, which is a great way to die. If you're yeah. That, I mean, we will have
1: know? to, we're doing MVDs too. Don't forget. So, Oh, that's tough. So, so yeah. my
0: MVP, yes, Detective Stephen Singh, I love that guy. Had he not been pulverized by buckshot i would have loved to have seen him further battle jigsaw in other settings charles who was your mvp from 2004's saw
1: i am gonna go with adam mm. and i know it's a you know the big choice to take the main character but i really liked his performance on this watch and the shit that he does when he like just sees the the picture of the his the wife and daughter like in in custody or whatever and then he like hides it from him and uses it to like, i don't know there's like a lot going on with that character and i think he in his extravagant way pulls it off and he can scream like a motherfucker I, oftentimes when people are forced to like show torment it seems really fake i really bought every time even when he was just like digging in the toilet for shit his response wasn't like you know can you imagine if richard not richard dreyfus yeah richard dreyfus from jaws
0: oh my god it's for shit and it's oh, like it's disgusting i hate it. it. smells like poop oh my god it's a shit uh
1: he's like like eh, fuck i wish and the like the funny like one of the few funny parts of this movie is when like he discovers it in the top like, again yeah, i guess i should have looked there first like i don't know he's everything is Right on where I want it to well, be. Well, I mean, the
0: fact that he's the screenwriter, I remember that being one of the weaker performances the last time I watched the movie. And this time it actually really hit for me where I was like, you know what? I'm all in. This is exactly the right tone. Right. You know, this is a big movie. It's a broad movie. And as much as much detail as there is, like, you know, yeah, give me some fucking guy freaking out and screaming. And he, it, this connection to the source material, having been the author of it, is is so evident that it is very impressive. To pull a double header like that
1: yeah he's good and i i think my favorite moment this watch was when they touch heads and adam says please don't leave me here
0: yeah that moment again that that whole finale i think is so powerful and those little moments are just like really emotional and it's
1: it's wild to see like this he pretends with a cigarette to kill him and then it doesn't work and then i don't know do you think it was also another ploy like did lawrence shoot him in the shoulder on purpose or to try to get, finally get the person doing this to him to come into the room or was he actually trying to kill Adam and he just happened think, to miss? I
0: think he shot him in the shoulder deliberately because he tells him, I shot you in the shoulder.
1: But is he lying? I think, like that's one of the things about this movie is we, it isn't clear. And I like that. I am so happy to see a movie where the internal thoughts of the characters are never like fully explained. We don't know. They, we know they're lying to each other sometimes. We never get beyond that, whether they're sometimes telling the truth.
0: So that that logically moves us into the MVD, and this is this is honestly tough because there's a lot of fun choices. And
1: it's also tough because some people you think are dead, but then they're not dead. So it, I wrote a couple down, and I was like, oh wait, no, I have to take them off the list because they're actually not dead. I mean, I, yeah, but I know which one. I know who's my MVD.
0: I feel like we may have the same choice. I don't know. Count down from th- okay.
1: Let's do it.
0: We'll both say it. All right. Just say the last name of the dead person.
1: Okay. So we we definitely have the different ones because I don't know this. Okay. Person. What's
0: yours? What's yours?
1: <laughs> um, mine is the guy, and it's sort of a cop out MVD because the death itself isn't that great, but the bear trap scene. So the guy who is cut open while he's alive overdosed on on heroin
0: that's the best part like he gave him an opiate overdose and they're like, i don't think that's what that does but <laughs> they changed it uh, from
1: the short film which it made way more sense in the short film where they're like oh he just paralyzed him we're not going to explain why but
0: right uh, uh, the occasion where over specificity can actually be more distracting than uh, yeah. vagueness but
1: i really i mean that scene fucking rules it's not it's not a surprise that that's what they chose to make as the short film the bear trap is a fucking like iconic image that only exists in the Sawverse; so it could exist nowhere else. And the idea that you're just a man lying on the floor, completely paralyzed, just getting cut watching out.
0: someone with that fucking thing on their head <laughs> dig into you with a pen knife. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah,
1: I love that scene. I love that death. That's definitely my MVD.
0: I think the razor wire death is the most memorable death from like having seen it when I was like in middle school, but I really have to give it to the shotgun trap as far as like simple, like number two, it doesn't get any more brutal than that. Detective Singh distracted by the pursuit, like hits a trip wire and is turned into human confetti by four shotguns. It's simple. It's elegant. It's gross.
1: Technically, I agree with you. That is my MVD um, in terms of actual like death by the, by the villain on screen. But just overall, the scene that I really like is the bear trap one. So they're both great. But I'm, I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna propose a most lingering death category. MLD because again, MLD. All right. I think Adam's death is ultimately to me the most upsetting. Yes. like the idea of of you know him chained to a pipe, starving to death in a room filled with a festering, rotten corpse is like. That is like that's that's way more horrific to me than like I think it's funny this movie does the Silent Hill thing with the camera flashes and they're the sort of tryout like and that's like a classic jump scare you know the hog face and by the way in this watch what I realized, they show you the pig mask they do before it's, it's such a so cute little like, good, yeah. the amount of attention where we see the shit heart on the toilet before we get to the heart clue later like it feels like almost like now like Ryan Johnson with Knives Out or, or these directors. From either end of the spectrum, and in Ryan Johnson's case, you know he's had this very bizarre career arc from indie to biggest movie in the world to back to indie. But these guys who, and, and uh, I'm sure there's women doing it too. Let's let's give it up for the girl bosses. Um, but like, like as far as like genre love letters, I mean, you know, James Wan sets the table in this so thoroughly. And then, I don't know, it, it, it's it's wild to me that this movie operates on so many levels. Like, because everything else about it, it's cultural legacy, it's exhausting, difficult production schedule. Like, it seems like such a, ch- a burden. Like, how could this movie still be this much fun, mm-hmm. like, 17 years later? It's a fucking blast. I love watching Saw.
1: And it also speaks to the power of the movie itself, where it's not like an M. Night Shyamalan movie, where in his bad ones, it's once you know the twist, the movie is unwatchable, where this is like... It actually is almost better knowing the twist, and you're like the whole time you're like, Oh, he's fucking just alive, and he's lying there. it's like it makes the movie still good, it doesn't matter. it's a fun like wild shit to go through when you see it the first time, but it holds up and it makes the movie just as good every every rewatch
0: yeah again, like i cheer i'm I get so thrilled when it builds up to you know that the the the, the every second of film after jigsaw stands up, I think is like I just find that whole sequence exhilarating. Yeah.
1: And speaking of the MLD um, of Adam, I love that they included the first shot of this movie basically is watching the key to his lock go down the drain. And then the last line of the movie basically is, oh, the key's in the tub. And like, he might be like, oh great, I can go dig around and find it. And we just know it's like, it's fucking gone. Yeah. It's over. Yeah. It's dark, man.
0: You know, it's funny. I feel like I, I, I stand by my choice of sing for MVP, but I do feel like, we're going to look back and be like, oh, Tobin Bell's performance in this is like on par with like Bella Lugosi or like, I mean, oh, just icon- the, yeah. Jigsaw is so cool. And we take him for granted. It's such an awesome idea for a serial killer. It's just so simple and so elegant. And his performance is well, amazing.
1: I mean, we did add the MLD this episode. We could add the MLP, the most lingering player.
0: Mm, I mean, he sure does don't linger. hate the player. Hate the freaking Jigsaw game. You know what I'm talking about? Um,
1: I mean, obviously, you're not asking, right?
0: Oh, my God. Uh, Not at all. I think that what we see and saw is not just an incredibly accomplished, lovingly made, micro-budget independent smash hit. But, you know, what else can we plug into this? Now, I understand it's a double-edged sword. Obviously... This can really cut a lot of different directions. I remember enjoying Saw 2 in the theaters. I dragged my brother to it. I'm sure maybe we can get Mike to record <sighs> testimony because I think he was very mad at we me. We
1: need that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I am excited to see where this goes because it's just a fun, basic structure. And if it has an ounce of the creativity of this one, I mean, I don't know about you. but Me and my friends were walking around thinking about Saw stuff. Like, you know, that's like a high school activity in the mid aughts. You know, just like thinking of Saw stuff. Yeah. You know? And,
1: I mean that's I think honestly I'm excited. That was on this watch not really a letdown, but it was like, oh, there's only three Saw stuffs, or maybe four X like outside of this the main story we're watching. And I want more. Saw stuff rules, like imagining like what you would put on a tape and what you would do to somebody. It is really fun. And I like so that's the thing, is I'm also not asking because the question of asking when will it end is not like whether you think this movie is a good or bad movie. It is that partially, but it's also like, is this going to continue and make a world that I want to be a part of? And that's the thing is like this movie has endless exploration.
0: Right. Is the premise exhausted is really more of the question with the series. Like, is there still time for reinvention and and creativity and, and inspiration in a certain right. cinematic world? We were
1: going to call the show that, but then we were like, well, what about just when will it end?
0: Yeah. Um, and just to answer, we've gotten a lot of questions. Yes, we will. When it is safe, because safety comes first at this podcast, we will be going to Thorpe Park in Surrey, England to ride Saw the Ride. Um, we just need like a few hundred more Patreon <laughs> subscribers and we can go to Saw the Ride, the steel roller coaster in Surrey, England. It is, of course, a Eurofighter model manufactured by Gertzlauer. And, uh, yes, the drop angle measures 100 degrees. We all know this, and it's, we're all very excited to write I don't even know why, you're, why
1: are you saying this. We all know it. But, yeah, if you...
0: Are there eight trains with a single car? Yes. Yes, Our we know range this. four what? across in two rows. Everyone Josh, knows this. we all
1: know this about the saw trains, okay?
0: Is there an Immelman loop? Yes, there's an Immelman loop, the is Immelman loop in the second inversion. Fuck. Do, do you go from the Immelman loop into a tight overbaked corner in an airtime hill? Yes! yes! Of course! Anyways, do you want to do a podcast? I want to. I want to do a podcast. Um, freaking Jigsaw Saw Two. Um, Can you actually? Charles, any final thoughts? Yeah, you
1: mentioned your brother. Um, do you think we could get him back on the show?
0: I think we could maybe get Mike. That's a good idea. Let's. Okay, here's my promise to you, the listener. I'm gonna try to get my traumatized brother Mike to record Saw Two with us because I did. I, I'm not sure how I got him to go. My brother is not a horror guy at all. And I truly don't know or remember how I bullied him into taking me to Saw 2. He was very upset with me. I think I, he this actively had his hands over his eyes. Okay. I want So this. that gives us a fun, a fun mission for the next episode. Great. And hey, a little bit of suspense never hurt nobody. Charles? No, that's
1: basically what Saw – like this is the new Saw. Yeah. Like a Saw thing. Like Josh – I mean I didn't do anything to you, but can you get your brother on the show? That could be in a Saw movie.
0: Josh, your whole life you've had two brothers. One of them saw-saw, too, with you. Now you have to get him on the podcast if you want Charles to have fun. And he'll probably still have fun even if you
1: don't.
0: (laughs) He's just a fun guy. (laughs) Charles is just a fun-loving, jovial fellow.
1: But do this and
0: it'll still be exactly the same. All right. I'm Saw Man Jigsaw. Follow our Patreon and most importantly, go fuck yourself.